0: If Darth Maul was a spaceship, he'd be the Fondor. <laughs> this podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA Andor, episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix," and 12, The Rix Road. My name is Adam Hemming and I'm joined by my good friend, Neil Shepek.
1: Hola.
0: Wow these last two episodes really have been superb and just I mean the whole series I think is phenomenal a really brilliant piece of work how are you feeling having watched episode 12 today
1: well I'm excited spoiler alert if you've not watched it yet <laughs> I'm gonna refer to things in episode 12 but if you haven't watched it yet Andor is so amazing if you're not a big Star Wars fan it's got so many parallels to other protest movements and rebellions um, throughout our history. The cinematography is fantastic. The performances are fantastic. The narrative, the script, everything. So if you haven't watched it and you're listening to this, stop this podcast, go and watch it, and then come back and listen to our opinions on it, because it really is one of the best shows this year.
0: Yeah, I would definitely echo that. I think it's just such a superb piece of storytelling. And the story of how a rebellion is started and how someone who is largely self-interested becomes much more interested in other people and what's going on. But it's told through so many different perspectives. I think we've said before, there's 130 speaking characters in this show and none of them are done a disservice by being... Stereotypes will be by being, you know, just there for the sake of it. They all have a purpose and a value and a, and a role to play in the story.
1: And there's so many parallels, whether it be the civil rights movements, Stonewall, the suffragettes, Extinction Rebellion, all sorts of different rebellions that have made the world a better place for so many minorities and for the general public. I think what they've done is absolutely awesome. And Maybe because we're at the start of this podcast, we can talk about the titles, which I know Adam loves titles, but the orchestration that we've already mentioned has been building up. But now they're using the same orchestration, which has got a lot darker and deeper um, as they've added in extra instruments. But now, it was this what was in the titles was the same as what was in the funeral obviously it also reflects andor's building and the building the rebellion and the development and people coming together like different instruments joining and there's so many nuances to this series very much so i mean episode 11 was almost about bringing these different elements
0: of the show that we've had from the previous 10 episodes together. And then in episode 12, they're all there in this brilliant melting pot and everything kicks off. But let's focus on episode 11. So we'll start with Andor's story in this episode, because it's actually quite a minor part of the episode and a lot of it was about other people. But we left episode 10 with Andor escaping prison and we saw him and Melchi running along sandy, rocky, deserty place. And we open with them climbing up these this this mountain and Melchi is struggling
1: yeah they've both got bloody feet and bloody hands also climbing has become quite a theme for Andor I think it's part of obviously his involvement before properly getting involved with the rebellion but we see lots of climbing. We see in episode 12, we see in episode 11, we see in earlier episodes. There's there, It's a visual theme for the character.
0: And what I loved about this opening was how Andor was helping Melchi through this difficult situation. They are literally hanging on and they've escaped this prison that they didn't think they were ever going to get out of. And he tells them they're leaving. The Empire are leaving this place. We we have escaped. And, and it... Says things like, I hear you. He's leading Melchi through this situation. And I think it's the, the start, really, of Cassian being a leader in that moment. I'm going to
1: jump to the end of episode 12 because it's no secret that Andor survives, Cassian survives this part of the narrative. We know he's in Rogue One, but he basically puts forward to Luther, kill me or take me somewhere, do something. And for me, whereas with another series, that might be a bit of a cliffhanger, we've covered quite a lot of prequels over the last year or two with Better Soul and and others. But that just gave me excitement. That didn't make me think, oh my God, will he survive, will he not? It just gave me excitement. Right, there's another series coming and we're going to find out more about this before Rogue One. Yeah, I think that point of that final
0: scene, he was saying, you know, well, he, he knew that people were after him. He knew that Luthan was was wanted to kill him because he knew too much. So he basically said, I'm here and you can kill me, or you can use me and see what I can do. It was a really, really lovely moment, I think, at the end of all of that. But skipping back to episode 11, so we next see Andor and Melchi looking for a way off this planet, they spot an old quad jumper and there's a couple of Narkinian fisher creatures who I just thought were absolutely brilliant. So Melchi jumps up and runs for it and they both end up getting caught in a net trap. Freedy and Dewey, who are these two Narkinians, we've not seen very many alien species in this series, which I think is a good thing. But I really just loved their dialogue, talking about 2 2s twos on these, you know, there's two of them, we can eat one each. And there's better fishing on land these times than the fishing they were able to do because the water had been polluted
1: and there weren't enough squigglies for them to get on the end of their rods Although I agree with you, Adam, it's great that for this series, there's been no Jedi, etc., involved. No, the Force hasn't really been involved. And it's it's great to see something that's a bit more grounded and a bit more looking at different communities. But no, I love the aliens, because what's Star Wars without aliens?
0: Yeah, they were good comedy value. It was lovely. And you thought that Andor and Melchior were in a... Tight spot, but it turns out they had no love for the Empire either. So they were quite happy to help. And we'll come back to Andor and Melchi at the end of the episode because they, they don't really feature very much other than that until then. The big thing in episode 11, obviously, is Marva's passing. Marva is Andor's mother. And what did she pass? She passed away from this realm to another. But yeah, it had such an impact throughout not just this episode, but Episode 12 as well. One of my favourite parts of episode 11 was this moment where we're watching from inside her now emptier home through the windows as they take her body out. And you see all of the Ferex folk watching. It's this really gorgeous, mournful scene. And we're seeing it from within her home. It was just, yeah, stunning stuff.
1: No, yeah, it was beautiful. And is it B2Emo? Nicknamed B, As a droid, we're not used to droids expressing emotion. And quite clearly, he does feel emotion or it feels emotion. I don't know if he's a, has a gender or what his um, pronouns are. But he says, I don't want to be alone. I want Martha. And obviously, he plays a greater part when it comes to episode 12. But in episode 11, as she's dying, there's definitely emotion felt there.
0: I, it's almost like we're watching, again, the opening of that scene. We're looking at it through a blurry image. It's almost like we're looking through B2's point of view. Brasso wants to give him time to say goodbye, and, and he wants to go with Brasso. But the daughters of Ferrix need his assistance in matters of grave importance. We then learn through a scene with Deidre Ramiro, the IFB, that Marva's going to get a big send-off. They'll want to close Rick's road. They know we won't allow it and they're building a list of grievances. But Dedra says, no, let the funeral happen. We want to put them in a box, stand back and watch. And we also learn that there's going to be two days, as per convenient Ferrex custom, before the funeral will happen. But her ashes get mixed into a brick with her name on. And they ask, then
1: what? And she said, then you find a wall. They're providing a trap and a lure for or. That's what Dedra wants is for Andor to turn up, is really made clear in episode 12. I want him alive.
0: Dedra Miro is setting up this trap for Andor, and everyone throughout this episode, everyone learns that Marva is dead and that Andor probably will be going back to Ferex. But I really love the idea of the ashes being mixed into a brick as a custom, as a tradition in Ferex and we see this later on in episode 12, but I think it's really just a beautiful idea that that your ashes become part of a wall that is built that helps
1: protect, defend, secure, or whatever. She wants for herself and others to join the community and help the community stand up against invaders.
0: We then see Claire and Vel. There's quite a tense scene between the two of them. These are both obviously parts of this nascent rebellion and vel has come into the shop where claire works with luthan and is not really talking in code she's asking pretty direct questions and she challenges claire i gave him old what have you done lately and claire says i don't have lately i have always a constant blur of plates spinning and knives on the floor and i just thought this was a gorgeous scene between two really powerful female characters. Not powerful in the sense that they have money or wealth or position, but in the sense that they are passionate about what they are doing and clearly
1: will do whatever it takes. The Star Wars universe, considering initially when it first was Star Wars A New Hope, had very few female characters. The Star Wars universe now has got so many powerful and important female characters, and that's just awesome.
0: I I wanted to go about Bix a little bit. So this is, again, Bix was the character who'd helped Andor to connect with Luthen. She's Andor's ex-girlfriend, and she's we've seen her be tortured already. They're trying to find out where Andor is. And in this episode, we see the the results of that, and that she's heavily, heavily traumatised from all of this. The the torturer, Gorst, her voice is in her head, and she's weak, and she's brought in front of Korv, who's the imperial spy that Cinta has been following, who questions her about Anto Krieger and asks, is this who you introduced Andor to? The Empire are trying to find out who Axis is, and they think that Anto Krieger might be Axis. Obviously, they're way, way off the mark, and this scene is designed to show us that the Empire are still pretty clueless about Luthan. You know, having seen Bix being tortured
1: in previous episodes to then seeing how she was now was really moving. I've got notes when Mon says, I'm in so much trouble, though, and there's 400,000 missing Accounts Luthan doesn't know what's going on. I've got written down who knows what he knows. This can't be exposed. And Claire is starting to practice the chant.
0: Yeah, it's a really clever cut between that scene with Bix into the monomoton yeah. scene because yeah. Bix's torture involved children screaming in their death throes. And we hear these children chanting before we move into that Monmothma scene. And the children are reciting wedding vows as our Chandralan custom. So Monmothma's daughter, Leda, is really into Chandralan custom. So she's hired herself a tutor. Monmothma's not really up for it, but it, it seems like Leda wants to follow in her own traditions. Essentially, we're getting the fact that Mon Mothma's placed in a tight spot. But at the same time, it's what Leda wants anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really clear that the rebellion, and again, parallels with other rebellions, they're in very early stages. So nobody quite knows what everyone's doing. Communication is very difficult. I'm sure it was the same with the civil rights movement, with Stonewall, with suffragettes. I definitely you know it's similar with XR's communication. But what has been great about this series is just see how a rebellion starts.
0: And, and definitely the difficulties that Mon faces as someone
1: who is in inverted
0: commas power, that she has her own struggle, just as much as those who have little to survive on have. I thought it was a really good way of, showing both sides of that and also the reach of the empire and
1: the the difficulties that each of them were facing. Andor the reach of the empire. Andor. Andor. No but. uh, (laughs) As she said, I'm in so much trouble, Belle, and we'll come on to her husband and gambling debts and the fact that her finances are being spied on. We've got a lot of spies when we come to episode twelve.
0: Should we talk? Let's talk about
1: that now because I think it's well.
0: There's not much Mon Mothmer in these two episodes. They're in the car back from a party, right? Her and her husband, and we've we know that she suspects that her driver Clarice is an imperial spy and is reporting back on them. So she tells her driver that they want to have a private conversation, and then she accuses Perrin, her husband of racking up gambling debts. Of, 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 Well, not racking up debts, of just gambling. Are you gambling again? And criticising him for doing it. And I wonder what your take on this was, because I, th- I think it's, it's one of a couple of things that she's doing in this, but I definitely think it's intentional.
1: She says, look, if you have to do this, do it, but do it somewhere that isn't horizontal. And she suggests Canto by which is the gambling casino that we see in The Last Jedi. The chauffeur who later talks to other members of the Empire and we know at least one of them, if not two of them, are rebel spies. He, he denies the gambling. He seems quite surprised
0: by this these accusations. But I wondered whether it was either Mon Mothma setting up an excuse for money going missing. Hmm. He's He's taking the money for gambling, or a test to see whether the driver is listening or not. Uh, potentially, both of those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had actually thought about her testing the driver for his loyalty or his discretion. What I thought was really interesting in that conversation was when she said that the, the biggest thing she was worried about is where he's getting the money from.
0: And then this gets reported back to Levin who was Dedra's rival in the Imperial Security Bureau. It feels like that story's going to continue into season two. And then the final scene we see with Mon is her introducing her daughter to Davo and his
1: son. The other question there, whether it's to do with gambling debts or whether it's money for the Rebellion, is she actually selling her daughter? Is she wanting money to be able to either cover her husband's gambling debts or to fund the rebellion. I think it's definitely to
0: fund the rebellion, but yes, it feels like she is selling her daughter for that purpose. And I think that scene in episode 11 with the daughter doing those lessons is our way of feeling a little bit better about Mom Mothma because it's what she wants as well.
1: I think also, I mean, it was clear with Davos that, It's not about a forged marriage. It's about just introducing them. And initially, Mon didn't want for them to be introduced. But now she's agreed for them to be introduced, which is what we've seen. So it doesn't mean that she's necessarily agreeing to an arranged marriage, but just, well, okay, let's see if they have chemistry and how things might develop.
0: I think it's also a measure of how much she is invested in the rebellion in that essentially she's prepared
1: to sacrifice her daughter. It's all about sacrifices. We've got so many characters that are sacrificing things through rebellion, whether it be Martha, whether it be Mon, whether it be Cassian, whether it be Big. There's so many characters that are prepared to make sacrifices for the great good.
0: Whilst we're talking about sacrifice, should we talk about Saw Guerrera and Luthen's meeting in episode 11? Because Luthen's prepared to sacrifice Anto Krieger and all of his men. And when he approaches Saw Guerrera, he's quite surprised that Saw says he is in on the spellhouse and that uh, he's prepared to fight alongside Anto Krieger. And Luthen has to tell him no and confesses that he knows what's going to happen to Krieger. And by doing that reveals that he has a source within
1: the ISB. For the great good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. And that's obviously what we start to see. We're starting with the riots in episode 12. It's really clear from the ending of this series that there's going to be another series of Andor, even though they haven't declared it official. But from Sol Guerrera to, obviously, Cassian and Luther I thought Luther would have been a goner by the end of this series, but he's still there. There's loads of stuff to do with Mon. I, I think there's definitely going to be a series too.
0: Um, there is, it's been confirmed. But we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. I love this scene with Luther and Sol Guerrera. He's so distrustful of Luther and justifiably so. I mean, Luther's pretty shady character, but Saw basically joins the dots from the fact that Luthan has somebody inside the ISB to the fact that he's got somebody everywhere and probably inside his own camp too. So he says, tell me who it is, who have you got inside my camp? And Luthan tells him it's two tubes. (laughs) I just love the reaction of this character. It's like, what? No.
1: (laughs) I've written down, I haven't allocated it to a character, he can't hurt me like I can. Now that is within the Sorghera Lutheran conversation, but I'm guessing that they're referring to Krieger. It's over a week since I've since I watched it.
0: Yeah, I can't remember what that line was referring to. There was so, yeah. many, so it was great dialogue within that scene. Really, really brilliant. If I were ISB, why wouldn't I just send you out there with him? You know, he does eventually convince Sorghera that what he's doing is. The right course of action, but yeah, just a brilliant scene. And what I mean, whilst we're on the topic of Luther in episode eleven, the end of that episode, which is this big spaceship battle, I guess, and the stuff that leads up to that is just superb. And there's not a lot of this spectacle and, and big scenes within Andor, and again, I think it's a good thing. But this was really, really satisfying.
1: Luther's communication to Leia or Claire, the way that breaks up when they shoot the tractor radar, was just awesome. And the fact that they just managed to get away, it was absolutely great. It was a typical Star Wars battle or action sequence. And yeah, I loved it. I did
0: think it was funny that we had this great big Imperial vessel with these huge satellite dishes on it. (laughs) It was like an old school Star Destroyer. The Fondor is a clever ship. It disguises its transponder as an Alderaan vessel, and then he fakes a faulty engine, stalls for time, and then deploys his countermeasures, which are these feel like these tiny drones that come out and just shred the satellite dish. But the the best bit of it all, I think, was this the fight with the Tie fighters. So four Tie fighters come out, and it's it's almost like a lightsaber style beams come out either side of the Fondor as he takes them down in the end. It was very sort of Darth Maul in a spaceship. If Darth Maul was a spaceship, he'd be the Fondor. (laughs) The look on the Imperial officer's face as, as they destroyed the TIE fighters and escaped was brilliant. So kudos to that actor for that one tiny moment. It was just incredible.
1: So as far as Cassian... We then get Sergeant Mosk, who FaceTimes or WhatsApp videos or whatever, he with Khan. The, the mother's passed away. So Cyril Khan is aware of this now and the fact that Andor may well turn up at his mother's funeral. So that helped set up a lot of episode 12. Throughout episode eleven,
0: various different people learn that Cassian's mother's died. So, as well as Mosk telling Cyril, let's uh, call we, her Martha. Yeah. She's not the cat's mother. Sorry, yeah, Martha has has passed away. But they talk they talk about her as Andor's mother. But yeah, as well as Mosk telling Cyril, we get Vel telling Claire, who then tells Luthen. News travels fast. Of this daughter of Ferrex, her life and her death ripple out throughout the galaxy in that moment as everyone is descending on Ferex to try and find Cassian Andor. Br- so brilliantly set up that final episode.
1: Cassian messages, I've written down a friend. Uh, he speaks to Zanwan. Yeah, and he finds out that his mother is dead. He's either back in Taiwan, but suddenly another seaside resort, uh, maybe Ibiza we got the alien snoring but yeah no um Cassian finds out that his mother's dead and then the other thing that he says to one of his fellow friends what if it's just us we need to split up double our chances people need to know about this
0: yeah so it's Melchi that he escaped the prison with and they're looking out it's the same place that he was he he was captured in because he goes back and recovers his credits and his case. I mean, the housekeeping in that hotel is pretty fucking awful if they haven't checked. <laughs> Melchi says, all this space, fresh air, like a dream, right? You know, they've been freed from this prison and they're in this place, there's a sea in front of them. People have to know about this. They need to share their experience and talk about it with other people. Um, and they decide the best way for them to do that is to split up. And we know Melchi appears in Rogue One and so he's part of the rebellion in the future. Episode 11, really, really brilliant setting up this final episode. So moving on to episode 12, we open this episode by seeing Willman working on some tech. At first, I wasn't really sure what it was, but I think as it goes on, we see him throughout. I started to guess that it might be some sort of bomb.
1: Quite early on, it was pretty obvious that a bomb was being made. Right at the beginning, with the music for the episode, which we've already commented, develops, it was really notable. And the striking of the anvil that follows and orchestrates all the various events of episode 12 was part of it. Yeah, the music played a big
0: part. And certainly in Ferrix, like that percussion and the sound and music
1: was really, really important as a way yeah. of communicating with each other. There was an episode where residents of Berwick beat tin drums or pots or pans or whatever to communicate, and it really reminded me of that. I mean, I
0: thought Chappie played I did a really stunning job. And again, it's just another example of how seemingly minor characters throughout this series have so much depth and weight given to their their individual stories. So he's building this bomb the hologram of his dad who I assumed was still in jail and I I couldn't remember what happened to his dad I know he was tortured and when Bix Kaleen was brought in to be tortured he was there in the chair but so I I did look it up and it turns out that he was hanged as an example
1: okay that's sad I didn't know that Wilman at the end of episode 12 gets away on the ship with the others. So I'm really hoping he's going to play a big part in series two.
0: I loved the Vader style entrance that Dedra got. Classic ship landing ramp coming down and she was flanked by dark troopers this time. And I thought the whole opening was just visually stunning. Really gorgeous stuff. I mean, this show has been beautiful in so many different ways. They absolutely nailed that. And then we learn from... Dedra, she gets her
1: briefing, doesn't she, about what's going to happen. When Dedra arrives, we know Bix is in prison and we know that she's looking for Cassian, expecting Cassian to attend his mother's funeral, but she very much wants him to be alive.
0: That's the main thing, isn't it? It's about taking Cassian alive.
1: Um, and to be honest, that kind of saved him because there were many, many people amongst the imperial force that wanted to either use snipers or to, to shoot him once they knew where he was.
0: And then we get this stuff with Nurchi. Now, Nurchi was a character we literally only met in episode one, a really, really brief scene that Andor owed money to. Uh, when Andor returns, he talks about Bix giving some of the money back to Nurchi, but now we see him watching the conversation between Brasso and Zanwan and then later on, buying Zanwan drinks and fishing for intelligence.
1: He's clearly a very selfish, self-obsessed person. He'll do whatever's right for him. And we definitely see that in episode 12. There was a little
0: part of me that wondered whether he was part of an overall plan. <laughs> or whether the idea was to tell them where Cassian was, but for then for him to escape. I don't know. I was maybe shining too bright a light on him.
1: Beginning of episode 12. I was absolutely certain that he was an Imperial spy. And obviously, later on, we find out that he's prepared to do that.
0: I mean, ultimately, he doesn't survive. So he gets his comeuppance in the end.
1: Yeah.
0: um, Let's talk a little bit about Cinta and Vel. So I have to say, I was a, a tiny bit frustrated by this in the episode. It's my only negative comment is that I didn't really know what was going on with them a lot of their scenes, we didn't get much new information. There was some really lovely character stuff between them, and it was great in terms of building the tension and the fact that they were another pair
1: of characters who were there and involved. But what did you make of that? I think it's building up for season two. I feel like Belle is very lonely, and I've seen a whole load of stuff about just camera shots and the amount of space in front of her, when she's talking to Sinta and the outer space behind her and the walls that are there. Obviously, like a lot of people in our society, having a same-sex relationship isn't something that is necessarily approved of and in many countries are legal. When Vel says, come away from the window, I wondered whether that was because she wanted them to kiss and she wanted them to come closer, but. That relationship is definitely under difficulty at the moment.
0: Yeah, Sinta seems very focused on her mission. She dispatches with Kor a spy, later on. There's a great shot of Vel running into the smoke. Yes, that, I a, thought that was awesome. Yeah, really, really stunning. But I didn't feel like they contributed a huge amount to the uh, the, the end thing. Uh, there was an interesting conversation between Vil and Luthen where they're talking about killing Andor. Uh, before we can answer any questions. And it definitely felt like Vel wasn't happy about it. Yeah, so I can, no, I, I can certainly see them having more to do in, in season two. but and Yeah, grand- we've definitely not seen the end of Vel. What I loved about this episode, again, was we gradually, throughout the series, being shown how Cassian Andor's mentality is changing. And we can see as viewers the... Contribution that different people are making, and it's made explicit throughout this episode. And the first one of those is when he visits
1: Clem's stone in the wall. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, the kind of flashbacks, I, I, I guess, to the for all of a better word, the Enterprise. The Clem has the whole idea of, well, look, each of these things that are considered rubbish are worth five hundred credits each. And that gives us an insight into Andor's or Cassian's way of looking at the world. And now I thought like I thought it was beautiful. He remembers him saying, here's the thing, Cassian, the
0: man who sees everything is more blessed than cursed. And Andor, in this episode, takes his time. He goes up and observes what's going on so he can get a clear picture of what's happening before he acts, before he goes and rescues Bix. I mean, I love Gary Beadle. I thought he was superb in this. People don't look down to where they should. They don't look down. They don't look past the rust. Eyes open, possibilities everywhere. Just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff.
1: I mean, the script writing has been amazing for Andor.
0: And the next section that we get of people who've influenced Andor is Nemec's Manifesto. And this was, again, just a gorgeous gorgeous sequence so great how all those pieces and characters are contributing to it whilst this manifesto is being listened to or read we see Bix in jail we see Luther looking at Ferex from afar we see Cassian consuming the manifesto I don't know whether he's reading it or listening to it but some of the lines from this I'll read you what I've got Neil there will be times when the struggle seems impossible alone unsure dwarfed by the scale of the enemy Remember this. Freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Remember that the frontier of the rebellion is everywhere. The imperial need for control is so desperate because it is so unnatural. Tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks. It leaks. Authority is brittle. Oppression is the mask of fear.
1: Tyranny is so unnatural. I mean, you just need to look at the Empire. The fact that they're building a Death Star, which is a fake planet. They're taking away indigenous cultures and how they operate, and whether it be Phoenix, whether it be any other planet in the galaxy where they're stopping them from doing things naturally and within their culture. I thought it was a very powerful speech. And he
0: ends it with... The day will come when all these skirmishes and battles, these moments of defiance will have flooded the banks of the Empire's authority, and then there will be one too many. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this. Try. Oh, just incredible. Really, really brilliant stuff, and so great. I am mean, Alex Lawther, his voice yeah. saying all of that stuff is just... I had the hairs on the back of my neck.
1: As, as we both acknowledge the script writing for Andor has just been amazing that
0: idea of one single thing will will turn the tide and will break the siege it is about andor's eventual fate but then that rogue one mission enabled a new hope to happen amazing stuff
1: can i take a turn at quoting what i thought was also an amazing speech and the piece of script writing cats Meets Brazo in what seems like a sewer or suddenly an underground tunnel of some kind. There's a huge hug and they don't have a lot of time. But Brazo tells Cassian, This is what your mother said. I'm not going to say all of it, but the quote I got is Tell him none of this is his fault. It was already burning. He's just the first spark of the fire. Tell him I love him more than anything he could ever do. Wrong. You take care of yourself, is what Brazo says. And Cassian says it's too late for that.
0: It was amazing. And it was exactly what I, I think in a way, this enables Cassian to focus on what he needs to do and not worry about the funeral. Like, the funeral is going to happen. But him hearing this means that he can then... Basically says at the end of this that he can't leave Bix there. Brasso's like, what are you going to do? Take on a garrison? But he's got to rescue Bix is the thing that Andor has to do. And everything else is going to take care of itself. And it goes back to that line of Marva's about that just being love. He's going to worry about stuff. And she says, well, that's just love. Fiona Shaw... Is superb, but I will come on to that shortly again because she gets a wonderful moment at the end of this. But it was just incredibly emotional, really, really good.
1: And you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to find it emotional. Shortly after that, we've got Cassian climbing up the tower, recurring theme Cassian climbing ladders to get higher, to reach, and develop.
0: Let's talk about the climax of the episode. I love things. a climax. And... Uh, <laughs> They're almost talking about the fact that the funeral is going to be in a couple of hours' time, and then the anvil starts ringing. The chap's banging his hammer down on that anvil, and it it feels like Ferrex have decided when the funeral will start. They're not listening to the ISB anymore. So everyone's confused. The marching band are warming up. We get the daughters of Ferrex. We get various different people joining the procession. It felt like this mining community brass band initially just playing this tune.
1: Not everyone's confused. In my my thought, the Empire confused. The people of FedEx know exactly what's going on. You've got Cassian watching the ceremony from the Tower. You've got the, the music playing And it feels like Tassian has got to that point where all the various instruments and contributions are involved. And it really felt like this show was warming for its final act, which is obviously what we're moving towards.
0: It was definitely a lesson in how to build tension. I think it was superb because you've got all of these different characters. You've got, you know, Andor spots Luthan, Cyril Khan, and Mosk arrive. All of the pieces are in place. nerchi gives up Andor's location and that leads to them searching for Andor and not being able to find him. But this incredible montage of the ferric citizens and that music giving Bix relief in her cell.
1: Just stunning stuff. And Luton's speech to Vel about they will do the hunting for us. We need him dead before they start asking questions. And the fact that they know that the hotel is where the party's happening, as it were. Stunning moment of this
0: all. So the marching band has been playing and they've all been sort of gathering in this respectful funereal procession. And then they stop the, the Imperial Guards have put up their barrier and then there's this brilliant pause, just a moment of quiet and stillness as they're amassed against each other in opposition. And then B2 leads the charge and the music starts again.
1: That was awesome. After B2 saying that he didn't want to be alone, it was amazing to see him there. And there's loads of parallels to the kind of mainstream Star Wars movies. It was great to see how many characters were there from Lutheran to Wilmon to, I mean, we'd already suspected there was going to be a bomb going off. But from Bell to all of them, it was just absolutely amazing. All the Imperial spies that it was very clear were there. And basically, I thought it was amazing.
0: Well, we get this chant of stone and sky from the Ferrix citizens of the instruments. You know, there was a shot of their instruments, but you're all kind of almost industrially made. Really lovely detail to all of that. And then B2 projects Marva's speech, which was just gorgeous. And again, a really lovely idea. The fact that you can record your funeral speech to be played at, at the time that you die is amazing. But she says, I was six when I first touched a funerary stone, heard our music, felt our history. I remember every time the dead lifted me with their truth. We've been sleeping. I've been turning away from the truth I wanted not to face. There is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy. There is a darkness reaching like rust into everything around us. We let it grow and now it's here. It's here and it's not visiting anymore. It wants to stay. The Empire is a disease that thrives in darkness. And she finishes with, fight these bastards. But the impact of her speech you see on all of these different characters, including Luther. And I think in a way, the biggest impact it had was on, on Luther.
1: Well, we know that Lutheran has got a change of mind about killing Andor at the end at the cliffhanger. because so we know that doesn't happen. So clearly it's made a massive impact on him. I thought that changing music from a kind of dirge to something much more spirited was beautiful and really helped to put the narrative forward. I loved that B was at the funeral, as well as Brasser and the other guys. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the friend who says double the reward tend to arrest me. I'll take you there. That was also hugely added to the tension. The hologram of Martha was just amazing. And like Luke to Jabba in Return of the Jedi, he has a holocom that he communicates through. And yeah, absolutely. You, you've read that beautifully, Adam. We've been sleeping. We had FedEx. We didn't do anything because as a community, and I'm sure if you've listened to many of our other podcasts, I'm a huge follower of community, it's never more alive than when we sleep. And yeah, you're right, fight the bastards. And we now get a riot, which reminded me of all the different footage I've seen of The Stonewall riots, the Edmund Pettidge Bridge during the civic rights, um, black movement riots, where police have basically taken violent action on peaceful protesters. And that has actually contributed towards whether it be the suffragettes, whether it be Black Rights Matters, whether it be civic rights movements. At the end of the day, peaceful, non violent actions where you sacrifice yourselves, which a lot of the series is about, so that people realize that it is worth standing up, it's worth talking, it's worth saying this isn't good enough.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's such incredible stuff. There isn't a particularly peaceful protest when it comes to the empire, but then I don't, I think, in a way. The extremes with which they're being dealt with, it, they know it has to be a, a, a more drastic thing. And, and Wilmon throws his bomb. The chaos that ensues from that moment. I mean, we get this bomb exploding, but also all of these other explosions going on. The build-up to all of it is so well done. And you know, the anvil ringing out and the Imperial officer sending a trooper up to deal with that. They just have
1: no idea how to cope with it at all. And then, no, well, they say open fire, fire at will. You know, yeah. those are the commands they're given once the bombs the um, woman puts out. And Luther says oppression builds rebellion. I mean, one of the most upsetting
0: things of all of this was when the imperial officer knocked over B2EMO. He tries to throw a coat over him and it doesn't stop Marva's message, and then he kicks him over. And then that's the cue for Brasso to kick off and everyone else to follow suit. And it is, you know, it is brutal. There's so much stuff going on.
1: But what is also great about that is the B got away. He managed on that final starship to head to wherever season two takes us. Wilman
0: is rescued by Brasso. Zanwan goes down. Zanwan gets shot and is killed. Sinta kills Corv, the spy. Pegler, who we've not even talked about, but Pegler, who's the guy at the shipyard who's been helping Cassian Andor, uh, he saves B2. Uh, and then Dedra gets knocked down. She's basically about to be beaten to death. And Cyril grabs her and holds a gun to her back and pushes her out of there and effectively saves her. But the exchange of her saying, I should thank you, and him saying, You don't have to. I thought it was just gorgeous. It was so brilliant. I mean, I love these characters. They're the Empire and I should hate them. But I do love Dead Miro and Cyril Khan.
1: Oh, absolutely. Do you think there's a romantic connection there? Because I certainly do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Maybe one-sided until now. (laughs) Mm. He admires her. He definitely admires how she is and how she behaves. He longs to have that sort of ability to impact on things that he believes in so i think he definitely idolizes her she can't see it yet but he is a kindred spirit Though it was interesting that Luther did very little in this he effectively just ran away afterwards he didn't really do much and he could have we know he's capable of doing stuff but he chose to run away rather than fight at this point
1: i think when it comes to luthan I think he's questioning his tactics because not dissimilar to the Empire, he has been using tactics that don't really care about individuals. It's all about the great good. And I think he's questioning that. And I think, well, we already know because of Rogue One that Cassian doesn't get killed by the at the end of this. So I think it'll be a very interesting journey that they take, but I think this whole riot and the violence that's happened on Phoenix will make a difference to how he sees things.
0: Yeah, I, th- I definitely think that was the arc for Luthen, and I, th- I think this episode had a big impact on him. Really curious to see how that plays out. We see that Brasso, Jesse who's one of the daughters of B2 and Wilmon get into a ship, Peglis fueling a ship for them, and Andor and Bix arrive. So those five are getting on that ship and are escaping. And B2 says, you're not coming. And he says, no, I need you to look after Bix. I'm counting on you. And B2 says, you always say that. And Cassian says, and you always pull through. <laughs> Just gorgeous again. Oh,
1: no, yeah, I've said too much about how good the script writers are. And also, that ship was very similar, if not exactly the same as the Y-Wings that we have in the Star Wars universe. No, it was absolutely amazing for that to happen and also for us to think about what's going to happen to Cassian.
0: We've already talked about it, but the show ends with Luthan fleeing Cassian's on his ship and he basically says, kill me or take me in, and we all know that he's not going to kill him. The post credit scene confirms the components they were building were for the Death Star. What did you think of this?
1: I thought that was great, because obviously we've already seen Cassian when he was in prison building components for the Death Star, that's almost certain. I love the scene between Lutheran and Andor because the cockpit to that ship was almost identical to Millennium Falcon. To be honest, I'd actually say that this Star Wars series is probably the most richly nuanced Star Wars series ever. I think it's absolutely amazing. I think the amount of details that they put into it and... The irony that Andor, when he was in prison, helped construct parts for the very instrument, i.e., the Death Star, that actually ends up killing him, is amazing. There's so much attention to detail.
0: It is incredible storytelling throughout the casting, the performances, the script writing, the cinematography, all of it, the orchestration of it, everything works in this show it's not a kids star wars show it's a very adult star wars show i think it's such a valuable story that we've been given and i think tony gilroy has done an incredible job in putting all of this together i can't wait for season two so what i know about season two neil is that we won't get it until 2024 we are going to have a bit of a wait it took about three years to put this show together in the first place, and they're expecting it to take about. They have started production on it, but they're expecting it to take a a little while longer. Tony Gilroy has said he's taking about 30 characters forward from this season. So a lot of the characters we've met in the show are going to feature in season two, and that it's set a year after the end of season one, which puts it about three years before the Battle of Yavin.
1: That is amazing, but there's so much to cover over the time between what we're presently looking at and the Battle of Yemen. That actually doesn't surprise me. It does disappoint me that we've got to wait for so long, but I'd much rather wait than they rush.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, again, he was on record as saying that the only way it will be any sooner is if they... They throw a lot of money, a large amount of money, at the post-production stuff. Like The actual shooting of it takes a certain amount of time. It's the post-production that takes longer. I'm prepared to wait if it's going to be as good as this season was. At the moment, I think this is up there as my favourite show of 2022.
1: Yeah, no, I'd absolutely agree with you on that. One thing before we finish, because we have been talking a lot, is there is a theory out there that Luthan is a Jedi that survived the Great Purge. Have you heard about this theory? And what's your thoughts?
0: I hadn't heard that theory. And I don't know. I think Luthan survives on subterfuge and persuasion. And those are his, if you like, his innate Jedi powers. So I don't know. We certainly haven't seen any of that. So far, he's very well organised, he's calculating. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant character. I don't think he needs necessarily to have Jedi powers to be what he needs to be. In a way, I would prefer it if he wasn't.
1: Well, I know one thing that you've um, mentioned when we've been talking with friends. Uh, One of the great things about Andor is that there are no Jedis and the forces involved. Um, but there is a theory out there. And there is a background to Jedis that survived the Great Purge, Order 66. You've got Ahsoka, you've got obi you've got Yoda, etc. But yeah, there is a fan theory out there that Lutheran might also be one. But you're right, he hasn't shown any evidence, certainly in the Andor series.
0: And I think the Jedi are an elite, aren't they? And they are involved in higher purposes and higher things. Whereas this story has very much been about the smaller people and how many of them there are. And that's what I think has made Andor... Well, one of the things that has made Andor so brilliant. I I don't think it's great because it hasn't had the Jedi or the Force in it. I think it's great because of the story, the way the story's been told. But I haven't missed the fact that there's no... Jedi in it. It doesn't need that to make it a Star Wars story for me. Doesn't need that to make it a good story for me. It's just a different story in a in a in part of a huge huge galaxy.
1: A galaxy far far away, but not so different to our own, right? No, absolutely. That's that's the one thing that I've absolutely loved about the Andor series is it's got so many parallels with what's going on in the world right now. To say goodbye, I want to say oppression builds rebellion. Anyone who is oppressed in our society and doesn't have the same rights as others, I really do feel like this narrative talks to everyone. My final thought, I'm going to echo Nemec in
0: his speech. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this.
1: Try. Try. Everybody. Try. Cassian messages. I've written down a friend, but I know which friend I think it. Zanwan. No, it's the one beginning with B. He speaks to Zanwan
0: in the Oh does he? Yeah.
1: Okay, start that again.